0: Dear loving Father, thank you again for gathering us together. Thank you for this beautiful Sabbath day. Thank you, Lord, for opportunities that you afford us on a daily basis to share our faith with others. And this morning, Lord, as I open your word and share, pray for your Holy Spirit to lead and guide, deepen conviction in our hearts, and may it be when we leave, Lord, that we go away with a nugget of truth, some encouragement and inspiration, that tomorrow will be not as today, but a, provide greater opportunity for us to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> you know, Jesus had come. He was born into this world. He lived a sinless life. He dealt with much ridicule, criticism, and eventually he was crucified. But praise God, he was raised from the dead because his sacrifice was a perfect sacrifice. He would gather his disciples together again with many others, he told them to meet them in Galilee on the mountain and it says here in verse 16 of chapter 28 of Matthew, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted, not speaking of his disciples because there was a multitude there and you can read about that in the book of Acts. Some still doubted. You know, God always, uh, there's, there's always room for doubt if you want to doubt. Um, but the disciples were overjoyed and rejoicing And Jesus came and he spake unto them, them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And the gospel of Mark uh, 16, verse 15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, Who is that great commission given to? Who's it given to? All of us. So do you have to go to the seminary to preach the gospel, yes or no? Is it good? It is good. Thank you. I'm glad you're going. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know what? But what I'm saying, friends, is not everybody is called to go to the seminary and be preachers or evangelists or teachers but all of us, how many? All of us are called to share the good news with somebody, somewhere. Now, recently I come back from a site visit down in Florida with a school. Uh, Mark Bugby, the principal, Stacy Gusky, who organized a lot of these trips and uh, assist over there. And um, Junior Virtus, we went down and we were, looking at different sites for our seventh grade class to go for their biology trip next February. And in the process of that, you know, we make arrangements through the day to visit so many different places and check it out. And every day we made arrangements to go snorkeling so we could find a nice place for them to snorkel. And every day it got canceled. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, man, I really wanted to go snorkeling. The last time I went snorkeling was in Guam, and it was amazing. So I was really looking forward to it, but God had something else in store. And so one day, because things got canceled, it moves our schedule around, and we found ourselves in a different part of the community, down in the Keys, and we, it was lunchtime. It was getting, we were getting hungry, so we went to a place. We thought it was dying in but it was not. And so we walked up to the window and we ordered some food and we asked them if they could bring some chairs out so that we could sit on the, at the table there and just eat. It was a very nice day. And while we were waiting for our food, there was four chairs there, we were all sitting there and, and Brother Junior had to take a phone call and he left. And a couple came up that were homeless and uh, they ordered some food and then they walked away. But then a lady also that seemed to be perhaps homeless We weren't sure at the time, but it became apparent the longer she sat with us, that she was. And she came up with a walker, and she parked her walker, and she set her bag in Brother Junior's seat, so he wasn't going to sit there when he came back. And she went and ordered, and she came back, and she sat down. Well, it was only within moments that we realized she was homeless because she had a quite unique smell to her. And my heart broke. And I'm looking at my friends and I could tell they're thinking the same thing. This is is a sad situation. And as I'm thinking about, you know, what I've been studying lately about the exodus and the parallel and the gospel and the good news, I'm thinking, doesn't she need the message too? Shouldn't she... Shouldn't we share with her? And, you know, oftentimes we'll sit in a situation such as this, or you may be in the grocery store, and, you know, it may seem to be a little inconvenient to share with somebody, or you may think, well, they're not gonna receive the message, they're not interested. But I was under conviction, and everybody else at our table as well, that we needed to share. And so I turned and started a dialogue. After a few moments, everybody else got into the dialogue and we started talking with her. And we asked her where she was from. She happened to be from Michigan. And so we were excited. We're from Michigan, she's from Michigan. And we got to know her a little bit and find out about her life. She went through a bad divorce. And so she was, she moved down there and she was living in a trailer until 2017 when a hurricane came through, wiped it out. Now she was homeless. And you know, friends, bad things happen to good people sometimes. And bad things happen to bad people. (laughs) But don't you know the gospel is given to us to share with everybody? And I was glad we had some literature with us and I want to encourage you, always have literature with you, whether it's tracts or books or something, have something with you when you go out in the morning and about your day. Even if you're going to be among Believers, even if you're over at the campus, take something with you because you don't know who's going to need to receive some encouragement that day. You don't know where God's going to lead you. We didn't know God was going to lead us there that day, but he did. And thank God we had something to share. And so we gave her a steps to Christ. We had a community prayer for her. And as I was leaving, um, she said to me, I hope to see you again. And I thought to myself, you know what? The chances of us ever seeing each other again are probably slim to none. But I said to her, I didn't say that out loud because I was just thinking to myself. I said to her, you know what? Yes, I do hope to see you again at a place in heaven called Under the Tree of Life. And she kind of looked at me funny and I prayed, to read the book. And we had a nice prayer for her, you know, and friends, I do hope to see her under the tree of life. I don't think God gives us these divine, divine encounters in vain. I believe there's always purpose and meaning behind it. And, you know, sometimes we don't take the time. And don't you know, at the time when we're being convicted and we don't take the time, it possibly could be the last time that offer of mercy was coming to that person I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 6 with the take the gospel to all nations, kindred and tongue. There is good news in the gospel and I like this, the, the story of the Exodus because it reminds me of the gospel message. There's some really unique parallels here that I just want to look at. Exodus chapter 6. Now slavery is a terrible thing. And you know, I've been a slave before. And I don't know how many of you have been slaves before. How many have been a slave before? Have you been in slavery? There's a few of you. Raise your hands. I don't know. But I guess we have a lot of saints out there that's never been in bondage of sin. <laughs> I can tell you we've all been enslaved before. Right? And it's not a good feeling when you know you, you have a character trait that is not in harmony with Christ or you're in addiction, or you're struggling with some other type of issues in life and you just want to be free. Slavery is a terrible thing, but spiritual slavery is is the worst of all. Now, the Israelite nation had been slaves for several hundred years Um, and they've been in bondage. And just about the memory of God had been erased from their mind. But God, did not forget them, nor does God forget us. In Isaiah 49, it tells us that can a woman forget her nursing child? Yea, God says, she may forget, but I will not forget, for you've been engraving upon the palms of my hands. So God does not forget you and I, nor does he forget the stranger out there in our community or the individual that you're passing by in the grocery store or in the convenience store or wherever it may be. He does remember them. Now, the Bible tells us in Romans 15, 4, that all things were written aforetime for our learning, that through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we would have hope. And there's lots of hope to be gained through the Exodus story. And so I just want to go through this uh, part here quite quickly here because there's some other things I'd rather focus on a little more so this second service it says here in the verse one, the Lord said unto Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do unto Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he shall drive them out of this land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by the name Jehovah was not known unto them. And he goes on to say, and I have also established my covenant with them, with the children of Israel those that did not even realize what God had done for some of their forefathers, to give them the land of Canaan and the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I've also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians Egyptians keep in bondage, and I've remembered my covenant. Now, verse 6, 7, and 8, it's interesting how God constantly uses the phrase, I will. And what he's trying to get across to them as he's trying to get across to us today is, you know, friends, we cannot deliver ourselves. It is an utter impossibility for you or I ever to have victory over the slightest sin in our lives without the grace of God. And along with that, we cannot atone for the sins of the past Even if today we're to make a covenant with God and say, I'll never sin again, and we've received all the power from on high and never sin again, we can never make an atonement for the past sins that have been committed. And so here God is is emphasizing over and over again to the children of Israel as he is to us that we need his hand. We need his intervention in our lives. Verse six, verse four, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm with great judgments. I will take you to me for a people. I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land concerning that which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for a heritage. I am the Lord. Now, it's good news to receive all these promises that God has made, but when you're in bondage, when you're in slavery to some type of addiction or a character trait that you're struggling with, you may not see how it's possible to get out from underneath that bondage or that challenge that you're facing. But God is telling us here as he's telling the Egyptians, I will take care of it. Now, it's up to you and I to believe that, just as it was up to them to believe it. Now, what it says here in the verse nine is quite interesting because it says, And Moses spake unto the children of Israel. He told them all of these things, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. So they were looking at the circumstances they were in, and they weren't looking at the one that was giving the promise. And often we do the same thing. But through an experience that God wants to impart to us, if we behold the one that is making the promise, we'll receive not only the provision for whatever it is we're struggling with and the challenges we're facing, but we will come off victorious if we trust him and if we walk in his ways. Now, it's interesting, over the next several chapters, God would show himself strong in their behalf, but before their deliverance, their final deliverance from Egypt, they were instructed to take a lamb. Now, what does that lamb represent? What's it represent? Jesus. Now I want you to notice the parallels here. They were to take the lamb, they were to slay it, they were to take the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel. In other words, they were to to put faith in the provision that God had offered. And everybody that had done this, when the destroying angel came, to slay all the firstborn, when God saw the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, he passed over. And they were spared the judgment. Now, Paul would tell us that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And we are told that all that believe on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we are told that if we put our trust and faith in him and we receive that gift, we won't have to pay the wages for our sins, which is death. Now, the Bible tells us that each and every one of us are born into slavery into this world. And there's no escaping that. It doesn't matter if you're born in a Christian home and you're raised in a godly family. Your wages and my wages for what we have done is death. You and I cannot withstand temptation. We have no ability to resist, let me say this, we have no ability to resist temptation or overcome hereditary and cultivated defects of character without the power of God. Is that true? But the good news is, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so we can receive the grace of God, which is the power of God, to resist temptation and to overcome those hereditary and cultivated traits in our lives. Now, the blessing is that when you look at the book of Romans... It parallels what's happening here in the book of Exodus. In chapter one and two and three, it makes it clear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody's born in this world, we're born into captivity, we cannot be free unless God intervenes. But just as God remembered the children of Israel, he remembers you and I. And he offers us the gift of salvation. It's a what? Gift? Do you have to do something to get the gift? Are you sure you don't have to do anything to get the gift? You have to open your heart, don't you? You have to be willing to receive the gift, right? That's all you and I can do. We cannot do anything to earn the gift. We can do nothing to add to the gift. All we can do is receive the gift, open our heart and receive that gift. You know, this is good news to me, and I hope it's good news to you. Because when you look at Romans chapter three, three through 26, it's talking about, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it talks about God providing a propitiation for our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says that in his righteousness, He passes over the sins of the past. Let's look at the verse. Open your Bible with me to Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three, I'm gonna start with verse 23. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are what? Are what? Past through his forbearance. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of him which believes in Jesus. So, friends, I want you to think about this. How many of you would like, when you look at your past life, some of you aren't that old, you don't have that far to look back on. (laughs) Some of us, we have a little more to look back on. But perhaps you're just looking back on yesterday or last week and you wish you could have done it over again. How many of you have, have that, had that experience? That I wish I could have done that different, right? I wish that would not have happened. I wish I would not have said that. I wish I wouldn't have done that thing because now I have to deal with it. And now I have this, this guilt or shame I'm dealing with because of my behavior or something I'm addicted to or something I've done. And when we receive Jesus Christ, When we open our heart and we realize that I cannot set myself free from sin, but I can receive the gift that is offered. At that time, God passes over. That's what the Passover is a symbol of. God passes over our sins of the past and you and I get to start anew. How many like to start anew? I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of bad things in my life. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful that even something that may have happened last week or the week before that I wasn't so happy about, today I got a fresh start. That's what God offers you and me. Now is that good news? Do you think there's other people out there in the world that are really hungering for that good news? Do you think that everybody's worthy of that good news? What about somebody that we don't like very much? Perhaps an enemy, perhaps somebody that has done something terrible to us. Do you think they're worthy of that good news? Sometimes we question it, don't we? Maybe they're worthy of the good news if somebody else shares it with them, but not me, right? Isn't that true? Let's be honest. Sometimes that's how we think. You know, I, I had to deal with some traumatic things in my life growing up. But when I received that good news, I wanted my parents to receive that good news, even though I wasn't very happy in regards to the, some of the things that happened to me when I was young and was glad to share it with them. I remember when I was out training for the ministry, doing evangelism, uh, training for the evangelism school, um, I had to go out, and part of what I was doing was Bible work, and I was going out doing door-to-door ministry. And I remember coming to this house, and uh, this gentleman was working in his garage, and I called out to him, and he came out, and I had a little survey that I was doing because I was not only looking for people that were interested in Bible studies, but I was collecting data on, on people that may want to stop smoking or health classes or financial uh, peace classes or anything that we could offer to, to minister to them. Maybe they weren't open for the gospel but maybe they were open to receiving some health classes. Maybe they weren't open for that, but they want to stop smoking or they want to learn how to manage their, their finances better. So I was gathering that information. And when I was going through this survey with this man, I got down to the end and, and some of the questions I was asking, uh, would you be interested in, in Bible studies? I says one of the things I'm trying to do is learn how to study the Bible better with other people. And that's part of this course I'm taking. And I was wondering, maybe you could help me out. Now, sometimes when you're asked, trying to get a Bible study, you know, you don't just say, hey, would you like a Bible study? But if you come up to somebody and start dialoguing with them and say, can can you help me out? A lot of times people are willing to help you out and you get a Bible study going. And so keep that in mind as you're, you're, you're approaching people and you're talking with them. This man began to tell me that for the last several days, he had been praying and he was wanting to study the Bible. And he was hoping somebody, he would connect with somebody that shared with him. Amen. You know, I say this because the good news that you and I receive of the gospel of Jesus Christ that not only gives us a fresh start, but then is that's, is power from God imparted to us, to overcome sin and to resist the devil, yeah, we may fall down, but we can get back up because we have seen how he's led us in the past and we can be encouraged by the victories of the past and we can keep pressing on. Other people in the world today are just starving for that, yea, even dying for it. And so they're waiting for you and I to make those connections. I remember I was working in a, Uh, doing a renovation job and I would often have to go back to the hardware store or to Lowe's and pick up more material. And this was always sometimes a hindrance to getting the project done. I wanted to rush and hurry up and get back to the project and work on things. But many a times I was delayed because I took the time to enter into a conversation with somebody or to share a track, or to pray with somebody. And it was always a blessing to do so. And I remember one time, I was getting some nuts and bolts for a project, and I was laying on the floor trying to sort through what was there. And a gentleman came up and asked me if I was finding everything okay. And I said, yes I am, praise the Lord. And we began talking and come to find out this man was keeping the Sabbath, but he wasn't Seventh-day Adventist. And so, as we talked a little longer, I asked him if he was open to studying the Bible. We had some common connections, he said yes, so we began studying the Bible together. And through uh, time with him, he found out that I was involved in prison ministry and that, and then he was sharing that with some of his coworkers. And one of his coworkers, her brother was in prison, and she was, wanted to know more about prison ministry, so she wanted to meet with me. But I also asked him when he told me that, I said, is she open to studying the Bible as well? And he said, yes. So we made arrangements to connect. When I went to his house that following week, he wasn't home and as I was turning away to get back in my car and leave, she pulled up. And I felt a little awkward because it was a woman and, and you know, I, but I didn't wanna just say no to the Bible study and I asked her, I said, are you, are you still open to doing a Bible study? And She said, yes, I said, well, my wife's at home. I said, are you willing to follow me over to Bering Springs? We were down in Niles. Are you willing to follow me over to Berrien Springs? And we could, we could do a Bible study together. And, you know, it's interesting how God works in people's hearts because more than likely, if it would been any other situation, she would have known, I'm not following this stranger nowhere. But when God is drawing you to him, when he's drawing you to Jesus, He kind of gives you courage to do things that you normally wouldn't do. And so she would follow me all the way to Barron Springs and I would park way in the back because our driveway was about 150 feet long where we're staying and we'd go to the back door and you know, the whole time I'm thinking, I can't believe she's following me. (laughs) But I'm glad, I'm praying, Lord, I hope she comes. You know, I figured she's gonna pull off and say, I'm not following this guy, this is crazy. But she did, she came in, we had a very good Bible study together And uh, at the end, she says, can my husband come next week? And we said, yeah, sure. So her husband, Richard, joined us. Now, you know, friends, I want to encourage you because sometimes we can get very busy with what we're doing in life, whether it's education, whether it's work, and we don't take time to, to share with other people. And I don't know what your schedule's like been this past year, But I want to appeal to you that in this coming year that you kneel down and you pray like you've never prayed before to study the Bible with somebody. Now, when I'm doing Bible studies with people, in the process, when we get near the end, I let them know that when we get to the part where they want to be baptized, I let them know it's not just about being baptized and being a member in this church. Jesus has called you to not only be a disciple, but make disciples. And that means you're going to have to have an encounter with somebody else and sit down and study the word with them. Now, I realize that some people have disabilities or they're at an age or have a circumstance where they can't study the Bible with somebody, but they sure enough can link with somebody that is studying the Bible and pray for them. And so if you walked into the church today, more than likely, you're capable of doing a Bible study with somebody. And so in this coming year, I wanna challenge you. Find somebody to study the Bible with. Now, it's not just for the pastors to study with. And I know some of you have told me you're willing to do Bible studies, and that's great. And when I have too many, I call you up, and I ask you, hey, start taking this Bible study, and it works out good. But everybody before they're baptized that I study with, I let them know that they're coming into the faith of Jesus Christ, and he's calling you To go out and share the gospel message with somebody else and not just come in and sit in the pew from week to week, month after month, year after year. God has given us a message. Now, do you believe that message? How many of you believe that message? Amen. But if we believe that message, that means we should be sharing that message. And sometimes it means inconveniences to yourself. I remember one time I just got home from work. I was doing, doing construction work, and I, I just got home, and I was living out in Al Claire, or I'm sorry, New Carlisle down in Indiana, and I lived out in the country, and as I was driving home, just before I got home, I saw this guy walking, and his clothes were quite tattered, and it was hot. I was probably 85 degrees out, and he had a stick and a bag on the stick. <laughs> he knew he was, I knew he was homeless, and I pulled into my driveway And I was getting out of the truck, and he was walking by, and I'm thinking he could probably use some water. So I called out to him, and he had some earbuds in, and he didn't quite hear me, so I called out to him again and startled him a little bit. I said, look, hey. I said, it's quite hot out. I said, would you like some water? And he stopped and just looked at me kind of strange, and yeah, sure, I'd like some water. Perhaps nobody ever offered him anything before. I don't know. But I got him some water, and I asked him, where are you going? Chicago really? Okay, all right. Well, it's a long walk, but here's some water. Have a good day. And I'm walking back to my truck, and I'm under conviction, give them a ride. Lord, I don't want to give them a ride. It's hot. I've been working about 12 hours. I'm tired. I want to go in and get a shower and just relax. Give them a ride. You know, when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he led them different ways. He led them those ways because he was seeking to build their confidence and trust in him, but he also wanted to give them a deeper of experience. So through that experience that they gained, they would have a greater arsenal of witnessing power to share with the next person. So I yield it. All right, Lord, I'll give him a ride. So. I ran out to the street. I said, look, 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 I'll give you a ride. All right, come on. Okay, so he comes back, gets in the truck. We start driving down the road. And I get to know him, you know, talking to him and, you know, find out that he's, he's a little challenged uh, mentally, but he, he wanted to go home and visit with his family. So they had bought him a bus ticket. He just needed to get to the bus station. So it wasn't, I come to find out, it wasn't all the way into Chicago. It was on the far side of Geary. So as we're driving, I'm thinking, he probably hasn't eaten for a while. So I asked him, I said, uh, have, you, have you eaten? Yeah, I just ate something from the gas station. I said, no, when was the last time you ate a good meal? Oh, it's been a little while. I said, all right, okay, so let's, let's try to find a place to eat. So we're driving, and this is before you had, this is when I only had a flip phone. This is about 20 years ago before they had a nice little smartphones, you know. And so I had to start asking people at a gas stations, where's a subway or where's a a McDonald's, something where I could take this guy and get something to eat. So I found out that there was a subway at a certain place, so I started driving in that direction. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I have some work shirts that are nicer than the shirt he has on his back. So I'm thinking, all right, Lord, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give them these work shirts I have in the back of my truck here. They're, they're, they're nice shirts. They weren't stained or, or torn or that. And the Lord said to me, no, you're not. You're going to buy him some new clothes. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, what? But they're good shirts. No, you're going to buy him some new clothes. And so, all right, now we find a subway. Now I've got to find a Walmart. So I'm asking around and I'm praying, Lord, I gotta find a Walmart now, where's a Walmart at? And so somebody gives me some directions, we go to a Walmart and I tell him, you know what, come on, in you're gonna get some new clothes. I said, pick out a couple shirts and pick out some jeans and he does that and I'm looking down at his shoes and he's got holes in his shoes and I'm thinking to myself, okay, you need some shoes. I said, you know, let's go on over here. Let's get you some new, new tennis shoes, all right? So we go over there, and I'm like, so do you like these? No, I don't like those. I'm thinking to myself, don't be so picky. <laughs> you know? But you know what? <laughs> all right, well, what do you like? Do you like that? No, I don't like that. All right, how about this? Uh, I, I might be able to wear that. I'm like, okay, why don't you go try them on? Go try those jeans on, too, because if they don't fit, you won't be able to return them. So go try them on. So you tried everything on. We got everything together. Spent about 100 and some dollars. All right, good. Praise the Lord. We're out of the store. So we get to the bus station. Well, the bus station's not open. And so I'm thinking to myself, Lord, what now? Get him a hotel. Get him a hotel. (laughs) How's that going to work out? So we're in Gary, Indiana. We're in a very bad part of town. If you're ever over there and you find the bus station, you'll find out that there is a hotel down the road. I don't know if it's still open but it's not a good hotel. And as we're pulling up, I'm thinking to myself, I hope I have enough cash because I'm not giving these guys my credit card. And I walk in and the guys behind the counter are smoking and drinking, and I'm thinking to myself, this is not good. So I tell them I want a room and they're looking at me funny because they, I look like I'm really out of place to ask for a room there. And they ask me, well, do you have a driver's license? I do. I said, but the person that's with me, I'll have to check with them. And so I go out and I check with him. He says, no, I don't have a driver's license. I come back and I said, look, I'm, I'm trying to help a homeless guy out and uh, he doesn't have a driver's license. Well, are you willing to, can, can you just work with me? And they said, well, have we thrown him out before? I'm like, I don't know if you've thrown him out. I said, I don't think you've thrown him out. I brought him from uh, 30 miles away from here. Okay, they come in, and they look at him. Okay, he can stay. So I tell him, all right, let's go out. I said, bag all your new clothes up and hide them because they'll steal them from you here. I got him a room and I went home. And I praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, I learned to depend on God to find one place after another. God answered my prayers over and over God had already in advance provided I had enough money to get him what he needed. And I went away rejoicing that I was able to serve the Lord. I left him some literature, I had a prayer with him, and I told him, I hope to see you under the tree of life. And so, friends, the good news that God has given to you and me, he's asking us at times to be inconvenient so that we may minister to somebody else's needs. I remember at Lowe's when I met that lady that followed me home, her and her husband, they started doing Bible studies with us. And God, God was moving on the man's heart. I remember when we got to the point of lifestyle and uh, he said to me, you know, look, I've been a hog. My my parents were hog farmers. I grew up on a hog farm. I'm never gonna stop eating pork. (laughs) I looked at him, I said, Richard, Just don't say never. And his wife looked at him and said, Richard, stop being stubborn. She had already accepted the health message. And so, we closed with prayer, and I went home. A couple days later, I was back at Lowe's to pick up some things, and I saw Diane in the parking lot. That was his wife. And she she said to me, Richard's going to stop eating pork. I said, praise the Lord. And she said, but... He's going to finish what's in the freezer because he's not going to throw food away. All right, praise God. He's moving in the right direction. Friends, the joy to share the good news. I'll tell you, Israel, when at the Red Sea, often looked at circumstances that they were facing. And we do too. Sometimes we think it's too much of an inconvenience to share or take the time, and we don't do it. Perhaps God is calling you to move forward in a direction you've been hesitating to go in life. Perhaps he's asking you to give something up. Perhaps he's asking you to give a little more. I don't know what's happening in your life where the Spirit is working, but what I do know in this coming year you and I are going to be called to do more for God than we have done this past year because things are going down in our world quite quickly. And not only are we to be a good example to our children and a faithful witness to our families, but we are also to minister to those outside of our faith and even those that are perhaps not quite in our sphere of influence, but need, we might need to travel to see them. We are not to look at the challenges that we may face to get from point A to point B. Or the obstacles that we may encounter if we give a little more or do a little more. It says here in Patriarchs and Prophets page 290 the great lesson taught that they were to learn there at the Red Sea often is the same lesson you and I are to learn as Christians. Often In the Christian life, we're beset by dangers. Duty seems hard to perform. Yes, you know, we're called to share this great message. And we may think, I don't have time in my schedule. My classes are overloading me. I'll tell you what, I've been, you know, I'm here full time, and I decided I'm going to take some more classes, and I'm taking a class, just one, because it added another eight, ten hours to my week. And I don't have another 8-10 hours to squeeze into my week. But don't you know, I'm still looking forward to spending time with people studying the Bible. Because I know that's essential for my spiritual growth. And if you are going to grow in Christ, you have to be sharing what you've already received, or you will grow no more. You'll just remain stagnant, and eventually you'll fall out of the faith so at times duty seems hard to perform. The imagination pictures impending ruin before or bondage and death behind, yet the voice of God speaks to you and me as it spoke to them at the Red Sea, go forward. We should obey this very command. Even though our eyes cannot penetrate the darkness and we feel the cold waves about our feet, The obstacles that hinder our progress will never disappear before a halting and doubting spirit. Those who defer obedience to every shadow of uncertainty disappears and there remains no risk or failure or defeat will never obey at all. Unbelief whispers, let us wait till the obstacles are removed and we can see our way clearly. But faith encourages us, friends, and urges us to advance hoping in all things, believing in all things. You know, this friend of mine, Richard, that I was studying with, he would eventually overcome different obstacles he had, and he moved forward with the Spirit's leading. Him and his wife were baptized. They then took over the prison ministry program my wife and I were leading out with in that church down in Edwardsburg, Michigan. And as we moved on, they filled in And don't you know, he learned how to drive a truck, and he became a truck driver for the prison ministry program. And he was retired, and he invested his whole life into it, him and his wife both. Later, he wound up having cancer, and uh, it was terminal. And I remember talking to him on the phone, and he expressed his gratitude and appreciation for the time my wife and I and my son, we took to minister to him. Because he would not go down to the grave a lost man, but he'd go down to the grave a saved man. And you'll never know the influence you have in somebody else's life. I remember one time I picked up a hitchhiker. It was pouring down rain. And I asked her, where are you going? Indianapolis. <laughs> OK. That's a long ways from where I'm at, from Elkhart, Indiana. At that time, I was living in the homeless shelter, and, and there was a curfew. I had to be in by 7 o'clock. Or no, I'm sorry, 9 o'clock. Or I would lose my bed, and I'd be living in the street. I looked at my gas gauge. And I felt my pocket, and I pulled out the money, and I realized I had about $22. And I told the person, let's go. I told him, I said, I only have this much gas, and I have to be back by 9 o'clock at night. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm willing to take the journey. And we had a beautiful conversation on the way down. And I went, I knew if I got so far, I had enough gas to barely make it back, I'd be okay. And so I went even a little further, <laughs> trusting that somehow God was gonna make it work out. And just before I dropped her off, we prayed, cause it had been raining, and it stopped raining. And we saw one of the most beautiful rainbows I've ever seen in my life. And it reminded me of God's constant provision if I'd be faithful. Friends, God is faithful. I made it back, I made it back in time. And don't you know, a year later, this lady called me up and she had terminal cancer and she didn't know how long she would live, but she was gonna be a truck driver, assistant doing some truck driving with a friend of hers. She just had to get down to Indianapolis. A year later, she called me up and thanked me. I was surprised she called me. I remember who it was. And she says, you know, my cancer's in remission. God has blessed me. Thank you very much for caring for me. It made a difference in my life. Taking time to minister to those that are in need is our duty. And in this coming year, I want to challenge you. Find somebody to bring to Jesus Christ. How many are willing to pray that prayer? Lord, lead me to somebody that I may lead to you. Amen.